And this is the Talkative Laotian Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to episode four of our podcast. Today is a very, very special day. Uh, we've been planning for this topic for about around two weeks. And this is like deliberate research and planning and scheduling and make sure that everything works out. So we're really, really excited to uh, talk about this with everyone. So hopefully everything goes well. Today, I am joined with my co-host, Ali. Say hi, Ali. Hi. Woo, thumb, thumb, thumb. <laughs> and then we have another special guest uh, with us today is Caitlin. Woo! Caitlin. Say hi, Caitlin. Hi. Caitlin of the um, the Tar Heel Daily. Yeah. Yes, I remember. Tar Heel Daily. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So Caitlin is also a sophomore at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, she's here to spectate and also offer her insight and experiences on the topic we're talking about. And speaking of the topic we're talking about today, I'll drum roll, please. <laughs> we are talking about politics. politics. <laughs> I know this is going to be a pretty spicy uh, pet episode. <laughs> Yes, pet. Yes. So we're going to be um, really excited to talk. So mostly the things that we're talking about is, of course, the political landscape of not only Laotian Americans, but um, Laotians that immigrated in the 1970s and how the generational gap uh, occurs over you know the years. And then we're going to bridge over to more of careers. And of course, we're going to talk about the agriculture or farming crisis, which we're really, really excited about because that's such an interesting topic to cover. So to preface, of course, I'm Laotian American. Um, my political identity, I would say I my ideologies lean mostly moderate. Sometimes I leave lean left and sometimes I lean right depending on the um the conflict or the issue of course I do want to be a little bit more uh how do you say open-minded yeah open-minded about different situations so I definitely think it's more situational um some people say I lean left a lot but uh it really depends on the situation so that's my political background um I I used to be pretty moderate, but I became an extremist over quarantine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I'm oh, very, very <laughs> right-wing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually pretty close to the left, like very close. Mm-hmm. I don't want to associate too much with like labeling, but the reason I associate myself with being very left is because I'm very open-minded but also critical like you have to be you have to have constructive criticism about any side that you identify with you know but yeah I'm very left-leaning um okay so I would probably say that I am well first of all I am American um and that I would identify myself as liberal even though I don't feel like I align myself necessarily with the people who represent the party at the moment but um political labeling and my own political identity is something that I just recently began to explore neither of my parents voted Mm -hmm. so I was the first one in my family to vote um because of course that has become of more importance Mm -hmm. um at least in my opinion in the past couple years so that's how I identify myself sweet Yeah. yeah So it's pretty varied, honestly. Yeah. Um, of course, we have kind of like a left leaning, but like someone like Mila being moderate and then someone like you who's exploring your own political identity. I think, yeah, we have a pretty balanced thing going on here. I think so, too. And um, going back and touching on the whole voting aspect too that you said your parents haven't voted yeah Yeah. um my parents actually voted for the first time uh i think last year last year what about yours um my mom didn't vote she's not really a u.s citizen Mm. um but my dad did vote and he voted that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) (laughs) that's okay that's okay we don't have to clarify if it's like you know who we uh, our parents voted for but i do want to touch up on the Laotian um, American community and the political landscape of Laotian Americans. Um, 
as we were researching a lot of these things, not a lot of uh, literature, journals, um, articles, especially big journalism, media, Mm -hmm. like, you know, outlets really touch upon this subject. You know, they have Asian Americans as a whole, but of course that not all Asian Americans are the same. Exactly. We're not a monolith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually, um, I saw this thing on the Pew's research center. Uh, they made a graph that said that of Asian Americans, most Eastern, um, Asians like Japan, China, uh, Korea, Korea. um, Mm -hmm. they make up 85 point something percent of all Asian Americans. Oh yeah. And of those, the full like percentage, 15%, only 15% makes up, other Asians. Uh, I'm a hater. So, <laughs> so it's not even like, you know, um, 15% makes up like one or that percentage makes up like, you know, this every other, yeah. like even, even within, um, Laotian, um, diversity in Laos, it, like there's so many like indigenous groups. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. There's not uh, like 100% uh, Laotian people. There's Hmong people. There's people right. who are, um, who don't necessarily like have identities yet. There are like people who are coming from China, Vietnam, Cambodia, yeah. everywhere. The borders in Laos actually are really, really blurry. Yeah. It's just, you know. Yeah. And then you try to like squeeze that in with the 15% that mm-hmm. you were mentioning. Uh, that's crazy. And I think of those 15%, um, I hope that this is correct because I uh, didn't really get to study this as much. I think Laotians actually make up either 1% or 0.1% of that 15%. So uh-huh. it's like minority within a minority within yeah. a minority. So Even if you're wrong, it's still like, the point is that they're still really tiny. Yeah, yeah exactly. And with that, like Laotian Americans not being uh, so high in population, it's hard to get certain research and statistics on that population. One of them is, of course, political identity um, and voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know <laughs> voting-wise, not a lot of Laotian Americans vote. Um, I don't know if it's just not their like first priority, but it's just the whole voting aspect. Like my family, I think I'm just going to speak more of my family rather than all Laotian yeah, Americans. That's, that's more do. fair, yeah. Because my family, um, they didn't actually start voting until recently. I think this uh, recent elections that could be because social media <laughs> is coming up. You know, political like the urgency. The UC, yeah, urgency is going up. Yeah. The polarization, and everything's just crazy. Uh-huh. Um, but I think, and just in general, like not even like Laotian Americans. I think all Americans, the voting. Um, V- voter turnout um, oh, yes. voter turnout for like these upcoming uh or not upcoming but these recent uh, past years have been crazy because of how you know urgent it is but yeah so also getting another outside view uh caitlin how do you feel about voting and how was this year actually your first time voting this year or? um 2020 was my first time gotcha gotcha yeah which was really insane um and it it also (laughs) just kind of like reminds you about the bubble because like I grew up um on like the very edge of Wake County Mm -hmm. which is where Raleigh is which is the capital of North Carolina but where I am is like relatively rural Mm -hmm. um so it's quite strange because I guess I had gone to school in Raleigh and everything and I just kind of assumed that North Carolina would look a certain way and you know, of course, we've been a swing state for a long time. Mm-hmm, true. But it was still yeah. surprising when we went red, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. But I realized that that was probably because my worldview was pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. A heavy wing state. I mean, I mean, a swing state. Because, like, I mean, remember uh, when they were separating from the union? <laughs> I remember that. I was there. You, you remember that? No. <laughs> because, like, because there was, like, hold on. Let me think about it. Yeah. <laughs> There was there was like uh, Virginia with the Mm -hmm. voting counts, Mm -hmm. the ballots. Was it Virginia? I don't even remember. (laughs) And how like large of an issue gerrymandering remains in the state. Oh, oh yeah, hundred percent. I think Charlotte is one of like the or Charlotte Cleveland area is one of the biggest. um, Like you know, I feel like it's gonna be a thing here too. I think so too. Seeing all the construction, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh no, they're driving all the poor people out. Gentrification is crazy in Charlotte. Have you guys seen so insane? Yes, where I went to middle school, they tore it all. Like mm-hmm. uh, you started to see, you know, yeah. of course those like 
They would drive up rent and everything just to drive out the applicants or the occupants, sign the applicants, occupants. And then, of course, they would destroy it and then, you know, make the brand new area. And people were like, oh, they're just, you know, they're growing. Charlotte's growing or whatever's growing. I'm like, (laughs) okay. I've been saying that for 20, 30 years now. Hello. I was like, okay, at what expense, though? You know, you have these cities that are growing, but. Yeah, people that exactly. were there before they're getting kicked out and moving to places that you know that yeah. it's just awful i think it's just so difficult even as college students i remember especially. trying to especially yeah especially as college students we try to find places here in chapel hill raleigh durham even charlotte the rents is insane even just like for a one person bedroom is two thousand dollars mm, a month insane. and yeah. it's just we don't make that much we, we no. don't have that much money and also like the whole career field in general it's just so difficult we were talking about this earlier how in order to get experience as an internship you have to have experience and it's just so difficult to even get into the career fields and the job you know the job field in general yeah and just having to make that much money to pay for rent to live it's just ugh, it's a lot but um speaking about uh careers uh going back to how our parents and i guess are not our parents but our parents parents when they came in uh this is mostly for mine because um i know ali you had like a different situation with your parents yeah it's different um i'd say that relatively a good amount of laotian americans or laotians who immigrated here around the 1970s to 1980s Uh were kind of thrown in into the american like industry i guess that landscape yes, like uh, the, absolutely they were you know that's when a lot of industries were growing automation um was also growing so they're producing factories after factories my grandparents especially my dad's side they were thrown into that you know technology not really technology but factory industries yes um, what, yeah. did they move to north carolina well they were in connecticut so they were up there where you know industrialization like really you know oh. popped off and they 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 were at the forefront of it all my my grandma was actually like an assembly line worker she had to work yeah with these factories and have to assemble things my grandpa i don't know if he was necessarily lucky but he still had to work like um as a how do you say he worked with cars and he like was a mechanic? yeah mechanic he but he the skills that he learned to be a mechanic he said he learned back in Laos I guess it's mostly with building and everything yeah um, and then when he came here he had to purchase like self-taught how to be a mechanic and um I don't think that he actually went to trade school all of it was mostly self-taught um and on my mom's side she went into like my grandma and my grandpa on my mom's side went into being hotel cleaners so mm-hmm. um they were paid extremely low 350 an hour to yeah. clean hotels um <laughs> and i doubt they made to like you know they that's that's how much they had and at the time they were i believe there were uh, six of them like Ugh. they had a they had six children at the time let me make wow. sure yeah six children that they had to raise um so it's a lot like you know having to get paid 350 an hour and also raise six children it's, it's, exactly you just can't even if like you know people are like oh it's the time difference you know there's um you know whatever it's, ladies it's and gentlemen yeah, it's not the american lot. dream yeah and that's another thing what um i want to talk about but uh let's get into everyone else's like you know what are your grandparents what do they worked in around that era um what about you Okay, so uh, I guess I'll go because uh, I'm Laotian-American and part of being Laotian, our culture is like, and it's still our culture, is that we have to like do things by ear. We Mm -hmm. have to hear other people tell us what they experienced because like Myla mentioned earlier, it was so hard to find anybody wanting to write about our experiences. Mm -hmm. So we have to pass it down through each other. I can only go as far as my dad and my mom because um, my dad's mother, when she did come to America, it was in 90-something, but she passed away in the same, like, five-year frame, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she died really soon or passed away. I'm sorry, that's my grandmother. <laughs> um, and my mom, I'm, her, her father passed away very soon after arriving too so she was by herself and then my dad was also by himself um he came to america uh 
really young, actually went to high school in America. He struggled. He struggled with mm-hmm. English and everything, but he made friends with the English teachers. So oh, yeah, it's lovely. yeah, language barriers. Yes, language barriers. Exactly. Um, he was actually in Connecticut too. Oh yeah, a lot there, of people went in that area. It's up north. It's either yeah. um, now it's more out west. They're they're bringing people to like California. Yeah, but back then it was mostly Ohio or Connecticut. That's where everyone went, and then they yeah. you know. It's interesting that you say that um, in California, that's where they're like putting putting all the Laotians <laughs> yeah. because like it's such high density for Laotians to be there that they literally have a place called the Laotian ghetto mm-hmm. because they're admitting that they take these immigrants and put them at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so weird. Um, but OK, my dad was from Connecticut, but he moved eventually down here to North Carolina Um and he worked like small jobs because he was a teenager still um like uh dunkin donuts he told me Mm -hmm. but then like as soon as he was ready to start a career he had to dispose of his other dreams Mm -hmm. his dreams of being an actual like artist Mm -hmm. of making jewelry because again like being in america he had to start from square one Mm -hmm. so he he was told by everyone, you're not going to get a good job. You're, you're not going to be able to, like, go to um, trade school and finish whatever you needed to finish. But he was like, I got the papers right here, bro. Mm-hmm. I have the credits or the... Um, I have the qualifications yeah. to be a mechanic. And he's still a mechanic to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, when she did start working, because she's in North Carolina factory work because mm-hmm. where we're from king's mountain it's a textile place yes yeah, it is full of textiles abandoned textiles re renewed textiles it's everything textile. all textile <laughs> like i lived i live near where there used to be mill houses mm-hmm. that's so weird it's i know like for our community specifically that you can ask um, any of our friends, like moms, like where they work, and it's all like the same factory. The same. It's factory. the same factory. It's yeah. the one. It's Haynes, like I Haynes, think Haynes brand. Yeah, Haynes yes. brand. It's in Kings Mountain. It's the same thing. Um, a lot of people work there. Um, not necessarily sure, like why everyone kind of groups there. Like it's because they know each other. Yeah, that's also true. Like they know each other, but a lot of people, a lot of families, they go into textile work and factory work and just being a part of the assembly line, but that job within itself is so risky, especially with automation taking over a lot of jobs. These workers can basically be replaced any second and it's terrifying. It, it is terrifying. Uh for me, I I want to be for automation because it takes people like my mom out of dangerous work. Mm-hmm. Um but it's at the same time conflicting because it's the only work that they value my mother in. So what else is she going to do after they automate that? Keep my mom from a dangerous job, but now she can't afford to like live. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 definitely done on purpose. Yeah. When they disadvantage people like my mom. And it's weird because, okay, we're talking about the occupations that our families had taken part in, but like being Laotian... Where did they come from, right? Mm-hmm. They came from Laos. And they came from Laos. Yeah, and what's the, right? even right now, as of right now, and even back then in the 1970s, the major, um, I guess the, the Laotian economy, what it depended on mostly was agriculture. Agriculture. Yep. Exactly. So farming, of course. So uh, a yeah. lot of Laotians, I think, um, according to, let me try to think. Oh, the Lao PDR uh, conducted like, some type of census in uh, Laos and basically 79.7% of the total population engaged in farming. Yes. Um, but of course, as things grow, um, Laos, of course, is going to become a victim to westernization and of course yes it outside is. industry I, so mm-hmm. there's people in the u.s mm-hmm. britain canada who are going into laos for um building in laos and of course building their own industries industries and factories, lotteries yeah. and um just taking these lands so they can have resources because you know they <sighs> cultivate a lot of rice farms there there's certain plants and uh, certain vegetables fruits vegetations that can grow in these certain climates so of course People of bigger, I guess, like countries, bigger governments that will go into these smaller countries and just basically take over their resources. And in Laos in general, even in Laos, as 79.7% of the total population who engage in farming, it is becoming more difficult 
to engage in farming because of these industrializations. Um, yeah, yeah, basically all these industries are going into loss and taking these lands. Yes. Um, and basically you don't have free right to lands anymore. It's these people owning it. Land prices are going up. You don't get paid for your work. Your pro- your produce mm. isn't getting accepted because they're getting factors. They're getting um, technology to go in and do it for them. You know, mm-hmm. it's very familiar story, though. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing here in the U.S. You would think that as such a huge agricultural um, industry in Laos with people who. I mean, my family loved farming. I yeah, think my yeah. grandma loved gardening. Mm-hmm. She loved farming. My um, parents too. Yes. Yeah, they loved they loved it. But when you come over to the U.S., you have to you have to question why didn't a lot of Laotian Americans go into the farming industry in the U.S. instead as something that's more skilled in their like in their realm, like something more comfortable for them. Um, actually, I re- I just remembered one time this this was very like flippant, right? Mm-hmm. My dad when he he actually like went across the states a lot because mm-hmm. of different relatives when he actually was in california at a very young age yeah and he told me about how he remembers picking like berries or fruits for a certain farm he he was with other immigrants mm-hmm. of different backgrounds doing that with them with for little pay yeah so like you i guess i feel like the the laotian americans they knew that they're um, worth was going to be devalued anyway having whatever they experienced front foremost it was just a precedent for how they were going to be treated and i know you have like more like statistics to say about that um first of all families that are farming families in the u.s the the kids they hesitate they hesitate to work on the farms because they've experienced their whole lives that it is not profitable mm-hmm. and literally unlivable despite it being farming which is supposed to be self-sustaining yeah and these are families these are real people these aren't industries like nesquik yeah I nesquik farms. <laughs> they probably do somewhere um but like they um, don't they have a parent company yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly, exactly. yeah so like this, the kids don't want to work and besides that like what is really valued in media is like going to the big old city right yeah no yeah. one wants to work in the countryside mm-hmm. and in in the statistic that I read, um, as of 20, uh, 2013, mm-hmm. there were, no, no, 2016, mm-hmm. um, there are only 1 million, like, farmers, which is such a decline from 1.9, which was in 2013. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so drastic. No one wants to work farms anymore, but there's a reason for that. It's not because people want to just move to the city, but because of the treatment that they experience mm-hmm. while there. Like, okay, when the children leave the farm to go work in the big old city, um, the mom ends up taking over when the husband dies mm-hmm. very often. Now, that that's a different statistic where it's not as common for it to just be like, male operated yeah. there's also go there's more like females taking up brains but that's mm-hmm. because you don't have you don't have gender disparity when you're living in something that requires everyone to work yeah day in day out for like sustainable living they aren't paid enough and there's not enough benefits for you either you don't have like you no. know like healthcare is not insured when you're a farmer <laughs> like that's another thing like people want to go to these businesses they want to work in offices because they're um, definitely insured with healthcare. They, they, it's a part of like, you know, the working scheme or working field is that if you go into these businesses, if you work into these industries, if you work as an assembly worker in a factory, you are, I think most industries have to, I don't know if it's lawful, like, um, but they have to ensure some type of healthcare health plan just in case there's injury at work, of course. And then um, making sure that they have a backup. I think that's another thing a lot of these older generations are scared of is that if you have farming, you don't have a backup, you know? No, exactly. I was just, okay, I'm in this organization at um, NC State called the Real Program, mm-hmm. which stands for Rurally Engaged Agricultural Leaders. Mm-hmm. And I had to submit an application um about my interests, where I'm from, where I grew up. And I qualified because I'm from Cleveland County, which is pretty rural. And um, basically the last seminar that I went to, um, there was a lady there that was from agro medicine. And it sounds like 
she's growing weed or something, but really she's, <laughs> but really she was talking about how her job is to um, go to different farms uh, and meet actual farmers and mm-hmm. talk to them about safety mm-hmm. because, okay, what was the statistic? It was like a crazy statistic. Um, a lot of farmers die yearly. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yes. A lot of farmers die yearly from just operating because whether it be that they're uninformed or that they're way too used to it mm-hmm. and they're just going with the flow or they're exhausted and they don't even really think about it. Yeah. I was like, another example is like tobacco farms. People don't know, like, yeah. um, this is before the whole tobacco, like, you know, the push to be anti like, tobacco, tobacco yeah. um, came out. And so a lot of farmers and people who even worked in the factories for tobacco um, are at risk at now, like this day and age of certain cancers or diseases uh-huh. um, or just like just different health issues because they were exposed to it early on in their life and they just never knew about it because no one ever told them. So yeah. many pesticides. Exactly. Yes, exactly. exactly. Oh my gosh, pesticides. It, it, it really is like um, these people that are willing to work on a farm with all of these risks just because of, that's all they know. And then they have to deal with these disposable issues like mm-hmm. like chemicals mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and like dangerous hardware and workwear that they have to use. Mm-hmm. It's like the story that she gave an example of which really stuck out to me is that um, there's a guy who was working inside of um, a a corn sill or something like that, that really tall tower. And I think they were unloading it. And um, there's like this uh, grinding thing inside. Mm. Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) He got stuck. His legs got stuck under or one leg. Uh And um, they called 911, they came by, but they never dealt with an issue like that before. So yeah. it took like two hours to get him out of there. Yeah. And it was just, oh my God, it was like really bad. Like there was some imagery we actually saw. That's the type of stuff that you hear during, you know, like the industrial revolution when it first began and there was like no child labor laws or anything so everything was just super dangerous they would send kids into these really dangerous like as young as like 13 to 18 they'll send kids into these areas that just because they were small Small enough enough to to fit fit, and it would be so dangerous and they get paid nothing and i thought you know we would grow out of it yeah it's still like that you would think that we would grow out of it we you know as such a progressive like you know, not just generation, but we're starting to get more progressive as we uh, yes. go on in the years. You would think that we this would be in the past. Like, yes, that is actually my criticism with um, liberalism. There's not an attack on you. How dare you? The thing, a lot of speaking about yeah. things without like taking action. So yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, for example, Biden, right? Mm-hmm. That is the best example of a liberal that is in power and he's just a sitting president. Yeah. He's actually not doing anything. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think they make us feel like we're in a better place because of how they present themselves in media. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like the news outlets, but also like the, the shows that we consumed as kids or the movies that we see like like how they portrayed China in Mulan. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like that. Even if they were trying to like modernize it, cause they kind of were, it, it was just, no one was getting at it. It didn't feel like Mulan anyway, mm-hmm. but like, it's all performative basically. And I read somewhere, um, this guy that I was really into for a bit. Um, he's a, Terayama is his name. He was uh, from Japan. He actually talked about what it was like growing in the countryside there. And it's something that really like resonated with me. He said that death is in the countryside. And that's why the city is only a separation from death. Mm-hmm. And because of industrialization and because they were improving the industry, um, they could leave behind the countryside undeveloped, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, God, that's so true. That Because like that example of the guy that got his leg stuck or another example of an 18 year old, barely, barely an adult guy. Maybe he was younger, actually. I think he was like 17. Mm-hmm. He lost his arms to another like farm equipment thing. Yeah. 
both of them. They're so dangerous. And there's like very little regulations because again, regulations, you know, you need to have taxpayers' money to go and to have these things regulated and make yes. sure that everything's fine. But no one wants to really push towards rural areas. They're more focused on exactly um, yes. developing fast developing city areas. It's just it's just yes. really hard to keep up with times i guess dude they're already talking about urban farming mm-hmm. again another way to forget the countryside yeah they have all this land that they stole from native americans and they don't even know what the hell to do with it mm-hmm. they don't they're just there to ignore it i mean they gave um native american tribes like a piece of land and then forgot about it but then when that land became useful they could go ahead exactly and use it did you hear the whole like of course pipeline yes uh, the pipeline which exactly is incra- like it's so crazy i saw this um one thing it's it was so like comedic it was um i don't know if it was necessarily over the pipeline or if it was another issue over land but as an quote-unquote offering they offered water like a water bottle and pla- like snacks yes, and I it was see. just you know that oh. that's literally against everything like it's just so comedic just having the um i guess like how do you it's not like the industry workers when you come like the construction workers come up to them just like as an offering like their peace offering quote-unquote peace offering like yeah. the most stereotypical racism like you know just offering plastic water bottles to them and just be like here is our peace offering f- uh, to you for letting us or letting us take your land letting basically. us okay. yeah based and, off of their yeah of what they think and the protesters are. of course were like um actually we don't use plastic like this like we try to be sustainable so they accept it of course i just think it's they didn't do any of their research and stuff they just you know they just wanted to quiet it down yeah basically and um i, I think see. like uh going back to percentage i really did want to put this in here um somewhere the um, according to international labor organization, the worldwide percentage of people who work in agriculture dropped from a 44% to 26% from 1991 Oof. to 2020. So that is very, very low. And if it's continuing on this decline, we're going to have like no farmers in the entire world, which is crazy. Cause that's where we get our fruit from. That's where we get our produce from. Yeah. And I just don't, I don't know. That's a very scary um, number to look at as something that's so essential as farmers. They're not getting paid enough. They're not getting, um, yeah. you know, getting paid enough. That That's a whole argument within itself. You know, they're not exactly. Yeah, they don't have benefits for them. There's nothing to help them in case like there's no, um, I guess, health care. There's, n- there's nothing for them to be insured, you know? They're, no, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, okay. I mentioned this earlier, but like farming, it it was always meant to be self-sustaining and Mm -hmm. yet people cannot live on that because the other essential that we need on Maslow's hierarchy is money. Yeah. That's the, that's the new thing that's at the bottom. It's not just food. It's not just water and shelter. It is money because you're not guaranteed food, water and shelter Mm -hmm. without money. In, in America, it's actually ridiculous how much we have to pay for water because, like, a lot of the foreign exchange students from Europe that come here, they're like, what? Like, we pay, like, 50 cents for a bottle of good water. Sometimes they don't even have to get bottled water. They can just pick it up from the stream. Mm-hmm. We can't... We, we're laughing stock because we can't even afford our own people the rights that they deserve. How is it that a farmer has to prioritize an industry guy that has never stepped foot on the farm Mm -hmm. and then, and then his family, his family of like six kids and two wives. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) Two wives. (laughs) I mean, go for it. All right. It's their land. <laughs> it's their land, but it's not their land. Gotcha. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like it's it is actually enraging. It yeah, it is. And going like tying back to like how Laos in general, like you would think that in the country of Laos people would be entitled to their own land, you know? Um, but all these big governments from other countries, especially bigger developed countries, they would go in and they would China basically yeah they would take these lands and they would put a price on it saying if you want to work on these lands you're going to pay for it and exactly. it's just insane that i don't know it's <laughs> they just can't even own their yeah, own can, land they can't even own their own land like the land is there's just so many different obstacles that you have to get in america in laos nowhere like and, and not nowhere but anywhere um, anywhere yes. you have to go through no one wants to go through them just to get paid less than minimum wage and with little to no benefits like i don't think it's just i don't think it's as much as um, the U.S. government says that 
farming is essential because it's you know it's where we get our produce from they don't show it you know they don't show they don't prior uh, prioritize it they don't show how these workers are appreciated you know everything you know a lot of i mean like Right now, the focus, of course, is with healthcare workers, and I'm not going towards them because they are essential. You know, they no, they, they exactly. have their own problems. They, yes. it's, it's it's within itself. But I think as a responsibility of latest Americans and just an American as in general, um, to speak up about these issues that aren't actually talked about. Yes, because okay, you mentioned that the healthcare workers are essential. Mm-hmm. So are the farmers. They're essential workers. Mm-hmm. So are Starbucks baristas. They're essential workers. So are your your grandparents when they were hotel cleaners, and then and then my dad when he was working at Dunkin' Donuts, and mm-hmm. my mom who works in the factory, and yet like despite that we have this recurring pattern of essential workers not getting what they deserve. Exactly, it's just they get the title of the essential workers, but they don't get the benefits of being an essential. Exactly, and I yes. just I just hate it because it's not like a minor inconvenience these people these people who work these essential jobs have families to take care of you know these this is a generational things that we have to talk about it can lead to generational trauma that something that we can never escape and i it's just a lot to talk about um with these industries in general i mean from my personal experience um my dad is from pennsylvania and my great-grandfather actually immigrated from mexico Mm -hmm. And he adopted my biological grandfather when he got here. Um, But I definitely understand, like, there's so many rural communities have just been left behind. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you go, you know, they lived in a small town. Pennsylvania's big thing was steel before it got exported internationally. So a lot of people migrated to work in the steel factories, which is what my great-grandfather did in the 1920s. No, it's really cool because um, you get to find that extent in your family line, mm-hmm. whereas like I can't even trace that far. Yeah. Which is just there's insane. Because no yeah. there's so like, I mean, my grandmother um, on my mom's side could, she does family histories for fun. And, oh. you know, she could find people who have lived here since like the 1600s I think wow yeah it goes back and it's just so easy to trace because they all kept records yeah it literally stops at my my mom's mom and my dad's dad it literally doesn't go any higher than that I don't know who my great 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 grandma or great 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 grandpa is like I just everything is gone like oh that's so depressing to say but it really is like it's it's lost history um but that's the reason why we're doing this podcast. So it's, you know, there's yeah. a thing that we can go back to for our children's children. And, you know, part of this <laughs> is not, I know, crazy, yeah, another, <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> but, okay, there is that pattern you're tracing back all the way to the 20s, 1920s, mm-hmm. is, is an issue of class. Absolutely. And, and because of um, immigration, it's intertwined also with um, race. Mm-hmm. Class and race are inescapable from each other when it comes to American history. Absolutely. And that's, and it's the predisposition that they place people of rural, like, living. It's so weird. Like, rural people have, like, this stigma of being uneducated and therefore easier to exploit. And, exactly. and that's the same stigma that they put on immigrants. Mm-hmm. Like, because like, what are immigrants here, at least especially around when our parents were coming here, it's like the American dream, you know, come over here. You have better, you, mm-hmm. you're going to have a better experience if you come to America, uh, works a factory job, mm-hmm. doesn't get paid livable wages, has six kids. Yeah, paid three fifty an hour. Exactly, and you. Know, I thought this was ironic. Now we were talking about this. Um, notice how throughout history, with um, was it the Chinese Exclusion Act? How yeah. they <laughs> helped to build. They built the railroad. Like they built our industry. They did. Yeah, they there's, actually did. There's so many um, like examples of not only immigrants, but people of color that really built this nation. Oh, yeah. we can talk about yeah. slavery. We can talk about that. They literally made America. Like, it did quite literally made America. They fought in wars and they didn't get any credit for it. No, you know? they didn't. And the thing is, what I thought is funny is that with especially Trump's campaign, 
it's only um, a lot of people think that like the stigma against um, immigrants is that they're mostly, you know, seen as workers who should be taking these low paying jobs, like jobs that people don't want to work. Exactly. Like, you know, my, yeah, yeah, like (laughs) people that like don't, they don't want to work. But as soon as immigrants, you know, they, they start having um, like taking more jobs, I guess like, higher jobs like doctorates um, and more corporate level jobs people are like oh these immigrants are stealing our jobs we created these jobs for you like we literally created this nation for you you know it's just they always say oh um you know immigrants are stealing our jobs you know like they're taking the workforce blah blah blah. they're they're taking um the american people's like i guess i don't know opportunities blah 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 (sighs) and it's crazy how that like prevails Mm because something that I think about all the time is like Latin America is also painted as a monolith and yeah it is um with like the recent you know voting there was a really big discussion about the Cuban American vote in Florida in particular and like a lot of younger Cuban people discussing how their parents um when they were able to make it suddenly started to believe that other immigrants other cuban people other latin american uh-huh. people other people of color suddenly weren't working hard enough exactly yes and how that can like seep into things generationally um yeah. this false ideology <laughs> kind of come from being americanized quote unquote you have such a great point because exactly. i noticed that a lot with the asian american community mm-hmm. uh like JK films, you know. <laughs> okay, cut that out. Never mind. They just they just forget to humble themselves, yeah. right? They they forget all the experiences that they had to go through, all the a- all the butts they had to kiss. Yeah. <laughs> all the butts they had to kiss just to get up there. And and who were they kissing to, right? Mm-hmm people of authority and guess what oh my gosh they're white yep and old 100%. and old that's always the case yes and yeah. and it's like i don't want to take any like advice from people like that i'm sure. like it's, it's so conflicting though to know that as little representation latest and people get in media in the entertainment industry blah 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 and even like governmental positions and knowing what they had to do to get to those things like do you like celebrate their you know their accomplishments to get into the i guess like the visual realm where you know the wider range of audience can see them you know that's what they say you know like in order to be um known if that makes sense Oh man, don't get me started on Raya and the Last Dragon. <laughs> I'll tell y'all now, I hate that movie. What are your thoughts on it? Go ahead, pop off. I'm gonna say, okay, first of all, um, what part of Southeast Asia was that? Hmm? It was supposed it was so like ambiguous. Like it literally did not like say specifically where it was from. I feel like it was just kind of like, oh, this is a princess for all Southeast Asians. Oh no, <laughs> this is what happened. They wrote the story and then they're like, okay, what aesthetic choice are we gonna go with it? That's Southeast literally it. Asians. You yeah. have the minorities, you know, minorities with their minority. Oh That's gosh. so quirky. <laughs> it's, but yeah, I'm not gonna go off too far about that. But I hate mm-hmm. that movie. That's another example of like giving us giving us representation and then you know letting us be okay with dirt like my parents being okay with the gardens that they had sown and then having to go (laughs) to the factory and then working like a nine to five and then coming home to take care of me and my brother who are like seven and five like Mm -hmm. and that brings us to another like um argument that we were supposed to you know tie in is why are they like quote-unquote okay with it um i didn't catch the article name but i as i was researching this topic you know there's not a lot of articles that talk about the laotian american political cultural dysphoria in like america of course and um the journals that are here um (laughs) <laughs> their their own opinions, the writer's opinions. It's not statistical or anything. One of them that I wrote that actually made me kind of infuriated is saying that the reason why Laotian Americans or immigrants um, coming to America, why they are the way they are, is because they were so obedient and com- complicit oh, with oh. the U.S. government. And the reason why is because they said, oh, 
America was anti-communism. And if they're coming from a communist country and they're wanting to flee it, they must also be anti-communist. Like, you know, communism. <laughs> and so that's why they were so complacent. And like, they should, they should be obedient because America's on the same side as Laotian immigrants, you know? Oh, like, basically they? being great. Like, you should be grateful that we brought you here. We're, all, we're, we're your pals. Oh we're the gosh. same side. You should listen to us. Oh my God. You know what that reminds me of? What? Pro-lifers. Oh my. <laughs> yes, it does. Okay, let me explain. Because mm-hmm. pro-lifers are like, don't abort your child. Don't abort it. And then they don't care about foster care. They want mm-hmm. their own kids. They they don't care about mental health, which happens to, you know, plague these orphaned children because they know they've been abandoned mm-hmm. and don't care about contraception. No, they don't care about contraception either. Exactly. Like they, they said their job was done and then they don't look at it ever mm-hmm. again. That's what they did with immigrants. They're like, Oh, they're here. They'll be taken care of. And then yeah. they, they went on with their church goings and whatnot, you know? Yep. And that's why it's like super annoying that you had to read that stupid article Mm-hmm. And that like I hate that article talking about the model minority basically mm-hmm. right it was yeah that was basically yeah, it's the reason why like you know it was trying to point it straight at like Laotian which is so funny yeah. because like it was they were just saying oh we were like um like Laotian Americans are so obedient and like to the to the laws and practices they don't complain they don't basically like you know <sighs> during like civil unrest civil like riots and everything Laotian Americans don't do that because they actually listen to like <laughs> the American government, blah, 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 because we gave them these opportunities, blah, 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 you know, stuff like that. She's so infuriating. I was like, this is, this is stuff that we have for research. For, this it was peer reviewed. Yeah, it's peer reviewed. This is stuff Something that we else, have. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like the things that we have to like look at, what we have to base our research on, like there's not enough research in this field because I, there's just there just needs to be more representation on this like we can't just be grouped in with the other Asians exactly. you know we need to have our own like our own field basically yeah our own like case studies mm-hmm. that are actually yeah. like the way that they just you describe the article sounds like they never like talked to a Laotian person it, it sounded like they were like hmm Let's look at these documents. Colonialist yeah. anthropological point of view. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, like we were dead already, and they were just looking at it from the yeah, outside. Exactly. Like, oh my god. Also, a lot of those articles, especially you know ones that come from prestigious universities, there's still like a lot of I hate to use a buzzword, but there's still a lot of wasp viewpoints there. <laughs> like yeah, you're right. The way that Christianity has dominated how immigrants are perceived particularly immigrants that don't mass adhere to christianity mm-hmm. is like absolutely insane and how that can still because obviously that was you know conversion was a big motivating factor of mm-hmm. colonialism and that like remains such a large factor in how even today things like that are researched mm-hmm. they're so, so right. gross it is Did, yeah. um i don't know if it's the same for you was your dad sponsored to come over here by a church or Yes. Okay. My family was sponsored here by a church. Exactly. And why wouldn't you take that opportunity? Yeah. So, um, I don't think it was necessarily our family. Like, you know, they, my family's still Buddhist. We yeah, still go to same. temples and everything. We haven't really gone into the Christian faith. But again, this is America. We have choice of our religion. Unless you're blah, 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 blah. Yeah, <laughs> you know? True. Yeah. Unless you're not Christian or <laughs> quote unquote Buddhist because you're like a peaceful religion. You know, like that whole oh, like, yeah, you know, Buddhists know. are peaceful and they're, that's why it's okay. But it's an aesthetic, guys. Yeah. And it's just, it's just aesthetic. It is. But like, he's so cute. He's got so a belly. And then that's not Buddha. So yeah. many, so many people that I have come across in, in my life do that. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? Okay. Yeah, no, it's particularly a lot of my mother's middle-aged friends. That makes sense. Like, yeah. going into yoga, especially. Like, they're oh like, have you practiced uh, mindfulness yet? <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh well, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah, but uh, that, that's that's, so that's like get out. Yeah, oh, <laughs> that's like get out. No, as soon as I walk up to some like person's um like lawn and I see that they used um Buddha as like a land gnome. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh no, yeah. oh lord. Interesting <laughs> that I mean. But religions in general, it has a huge spectrum. You know, Christianity, there's different types of Christianity. So much. Um, and so many people whose opinions and depictions of their faith 
vary so 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 widely it's yeah. it's different levels of spiritualism when you get into 100%. Buddhism too I think but going back to like Lao people when they saw the opportunity and they were sponsored by these churches to be like you know to seek refuge and to come to America basically I don't think they came for the Christian faith they came no, exactly you know, but that, that was I, I wish I talked to my grandparents more if they remember how it was and what they were told during that time mm, that's, um, that's a good question to ask yeah it's hard because you know the language barrier then like Lao like speaking Lao is also such a minority language too like not a lot of people speak True. Wow. I can't. I can't even yeah. read it, and it's hard. Like it's difficult. It's it's a. It's. I hope I'm really scared. It's going to start becoming a lost language now that, um, you know, with the surrounding countries around Laos, uh, they're basically overtaking the borders. And, oh man, yeah, uh, yeah. There's so many dialects now mixed with you know. Um, there's different Chinese dialects that are mixing with Lao. Um, there's different mm-hmm. Vietnamese dialects. A lot of um the at the border between Laos and Vietnam, it's getting really really pushed back a lot of vietnam is taking over lao land yeah um so in all of our lives like our <laughs> culture is scary. i know it's scary it's like because the government's not going to enforce it no one's going to enforce the borders so everything know, yeah. like soon enough i'm scared to say that i mean it wasn't even that long ago when laos was split into i'm pretty sure it was three different sectors um three yeah. different kingdoms right yeah um, three or two i can't remember i think it's three kingdoms and uh, they I believe it was three yeah they formed recent i would say it's recently yeah i would say recently for our history it was like around the 19 1950 1940s yeah it was in the 1900s yeah, yeah exactly um, and then of course you know vietnam war uh oh, and yeah. like the secret war too that's what made all of our parents flee in the 1970s to 1980s yeah and, and okay yeah. the way that that article was talking about them was like oh they must be anti-communist no they're anti-war yeah like when when like america left it was because they couldn't handle the war anymore they didn't win they they lost they mm-hmm. flipping lost and the secret lost. war in general yeah the secret war is not touched on at all in history no it isn't yeah. in, in fact like the cia they released that information like way after yeah that's why it was called the secret war obama was the one that i think i can't remember if it was obama or bush that was the first to talk about i think it was obama that would actually dang took, obama yeah. was crazy. elected when I was in fourth grade, mm-hmm. he was actually the first to cover the secret war and actually provide some compensation, compensation and also um, allocate some of the uh, U.S. like workers to go and clean out the bombs. There's still bombs to this day. Yeah. This is the most bomb place in history. 200,000 yeah. tons. And it's not talked about at all. And there's still bombs there. So these again, these small kids who don't know any better go out and they find these like circular round objects and they're like, Oh, it's a toy. And they play it. And they, you have these videos um, emerging from loss of these kids who are losing limbs or who are on the brink of death because the bombs like, set off while they were playing with it because they don't know any better and i mean like you can't put that you can't put that responsibility on kids you can't be like oh kids should know what bombs look like they shouldn't know what bombs look like they should not know what bombs look like they should be allowed to live their childhood without fear that you know one of the things that you see on the field is might be a bomb and might explode and might kill you so that's i think i just think it's crazy like i you would think that as a responsibility of the u.s they would go and make sure that this is fixed <laughs> because they did it they did no. this they can't even fix michigan flint they can't even, and that's in their country yeah they're they still without water that. i can't believe that's still i can i can i can you know how long they've put off on like civil rights <laughs> you know how all of our infrastructure is crumbling oh yeah, yeah. So I, can, I can believe it what is their uh what is their like primary goal anyway oh yeah like uh building their military mm-hmm. yeah yeah that, that's about it presence. <laughs> yeah. I talking just, about things and not doing them that's so fun and and that's why i feel like i've grown closer to being an extremist it's just like i'm genuinely enraged and kind of like like flabbergasted mm-hmm. for lack of better words of like the extent of the irresponsibility of the government and how it permeated so much of my life without me noticing because of the prominent propaganda that we're taught in school and the bare minimum that you are constantly asked to accept is a gracious gift yeah Yeah, exactly it's like 
And they always say, you know, if you don't like it here, you can go back to your country. Like, that's exactly. always like, you can go back to your country if you don't like oh it here. Oh my gosh, so true. And it's just, it's been really infuriating because when you want to talk about something, it's always shut down because you're not being grateful enough. But whenever, <sighs> like, people who say that, they say that there's a problem, it's fine. You know? Exactly. Yeah, it's not our voice that they wish to hear yeah. from. And I think that, like... I mean, I was born in this country, you know? Like, where am I supposed to go back to? I was born here. Like, my identity is not only Laotian, it's Laotian-American. Exactly. That's something I can't take away. I was born here. A lot of the ideals that I grew up up with was latched onto me. I can't remove them. If I go to another country, I will receive... If I go back to Laos, I will 100% receive culture shock. Like, it's not like I'm going to, like, you know, be 100% Laotian. It's not like I can switch on and off, you know? Um, I think it's... It's it's very scary knowing that like these people just kind of you know all Laotian Americans um are able to go back to Laos and to be fine because like you just don't you know I as an American I think my responsibility and all of our responsibility is to continue these discussions because yeah criticize the country because it's fine like everyone's saying it's bad to criticize the country because you're not grateful it is hundred percent fine to criticize a country not every country is <laughs> yeah why do we uh, yeah. vote. That's how yeah. we move forward. Yeah, it's it's a legal and like it's basically your responsibility as a citizen of this country is to make sure that your government is in check. That's so funny though that a lot of Republicans are like, oh, like you should be grateful for this country, but they're also like government, boo, big government, it bad. Is bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Because like their big thing was like Trump being so honest mm-hmm. about everything, but he is still big government I'm like oh trump hates big government he is big government you know bro exactly yeah that's that was the point of like he was big government since he had that small loan of a million dollars from his dad mm-hmm. because you are a part of government when you have enough money to you pay because part of it, yeah. it you actually do have to have a lot of money because you have to what is it like um you know, advertise yourself. You have to have enough money to advertise yourself to the citizens. Exactly. And he had every opportunity that he could. And it wasn't even the first time that he had tried to run for president. Mm -hmm. He could always afford it whenever he wanted to. I mean, look at, if you look at the presidential line in America, there are instances where these presidents were related to each other. Mm -hmm. It's nepotism. Mm Mm-hmm. It's sad because when you look at the Democratic race for 2020, um, a lot of candidates had to drop off because they ran out of campaign funding. Trump never had that problem. Exactly. He always had that money. Yeah. It wasn't a problem. He didn't need a financial, like, you know, funding or anything. It's 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 a lot. It's And these, these mostly majority men, but all of them were pretty much old, who mm-hmm. stayed for a long time, people in the right. Democratic race. And it was nothing of our generation or people who would understand our generation. People who don't represent us, people who are old, people who used to advocate for things and probably (laughs) still do that they say they don't now for the sake of garnering a vote. Biden. 100%. Yeah. He's completely racist. Yeah. I think we used to make the joke that Biden was a Republican in disguise because we just... (laughs) He's a a Democrat. No, he's a Republican with pronouns. Yeah. That's that's the joke. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. I think that really perfectly, like, you know, depicts our government right now and our president. got got into office and, like, finished out stuff that Trump started. Exactly. And he did. Drilling deal. Bomb Syria out of nowhere. I was just like, okay, well, that, that's, that's cool. That's cool, I guess. Just, like, go against the reason why a lot of people voted for Biden is because we thought that he was going to be you know <laughs> yeah they could just lie like, yeah like they they, <laughs> they could, really can't yeah, yeah you just feel like people with hope that we're fooled mm-hmm. they, they were and we were <laughs> we were fooled the majority were, of america yes. was fooled bamboozled yep bamboozled but i guess that's a good note to end not really a good note that was a pretty pretty crappy note to end like for this podcast but i do want to encourage a lot of the listeners and the viewers and just the audience in general that don't be afraid to engage in discussion whether or not that you are seen as right or wrong like just engage in discussion in order to push like certain things like if if no one talks about it it's never going to be noticed you know like that's like our history is based on oral history 
Exactly. That, that is our issue. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a huge responsibility for us to keep talking because that's basically what's keeping the Laotian American culture and traditions alive right now. But I just want to give a special thanks to everyone who came. So thank you, Aling. Thank you, Caitlin. You guys. Thank you, my Thank you. Thank you. You guys did absolutely amazing. Um, and this has been such a wonderful podcast episode. Uh, honestly, since it's such a big podcast like topic, I might like move it into like next week's too it's just yeah. a lot. like it's 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 a good i love talking about politics just um being That's able to i know political science major Holly Stein, was it what richard nixon or was it <laughs> ronald reagan we're not gonna talk about that <laughs> i got it i'm not even gonna answer the question i, I feel so ashamed i'm so embarrassed anyways <laughs> but yeah so definitely what i want the viewers to do is to time you know sometimes the family dynamic might not be right but if you do have somewhat of a good standing with your family and your your not only your immediate family it's your grandparents and your cousins Mm -hmm. talk to them ask them about their history that is literally quite literally the only you know documentation yeah documentation the only source to your history there's we don't have like tangible papers yeah no one's writing about our stories so you have to ask and as long as you ask you don't even have to write it down yeah it's something that you'll always remember and to pass it down so that's the you know the whole initiative of the talkative laotians uh laotians talk a lot because that's that's what's keeping us alive that's the only thing we can do yeah yeah so thank you everyone for listening if you made it this far please check out our instagram and our uh, wordpress blog site um subscribe to our youtube (laughs) subscribe (laughs) to be to be announced our youtube or facebook and just keep posted we really appreciate everyone's support and um continue to listen to us uh to hear more amazing discussions thank you guys Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>